Good job, Olivia. You talk to her, she'd say, yeah, I play a little guitar. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Okay, so let me tell you where that came from. I sang in a singing group called The Chorale when I was in Bible college, and we were in Chicago at Universal Studios or something, a big uh, recording studio. We went to record a, a CD, and um, a guy named John Stenberg, there was this imitation guitar about this big on the counter, and he said, here's a Jim Alter joke. I play a little guitar. So that's exactly where that where that came from, came to mind while I was doing it. First Thessalonians chapter 1, First Thessalonians chapter 1. So today is a special day for Laura and I. This is our 25th anniversary at Grace Baptist Church. So it's 25 years ago today. That was our first Sunday. And I remember after my first year, I preached a message called What I Believe a Year Later. What I Believe a Year Later. And um, it's funny, after 25 years, the fun thing is it's, it's just not about me. It's about the Lord and about the work. And so... My message today is after 25 years, after 25 years. So look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Look at this. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Lord, help us today as we study your word. Help us to understand the, the the purpose of ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. So after what do you say after 25 years? How do you sum up 25 years of ministry? Well, first, God's faithful. God is faithful. Secondly, God's calling is an immeasurable blessing. When I came here 25 years ago, I never I never dreamed about what God was going to do, had no idea. And now after 25 years to see all of you and what God has done in your lives and to see this, this building built and the opportunity to just continue to reach our community. Visitors who come through constantly, um, hearing the gospel, seeing the work that God is doing here. God's calling is an immeasurable blessing. And then Grace Baptist is full of wonderful people. Just what, a, you know, you, you know that I do get to travel and preach in other churches. And every time I go, I've never been... I can't imagine, I, I can't remember the last time, I'm talking in 20 years, where, you know, 20 years ago there were a couple of times that I wanted to preach at another place, but th- that's another story for another time. But in the last 20 years, I can't imagine that I've ever been to a place that I wanted to preach. I wanted to come home here because you people are, are wonderful people. And what I want us to do is I want to turn the focus to the scriptures this morning. And of course, if you remember, um, that some of you may remember, I preached a message years ago uh, called um, Brethren Pray For Us. And it was Paul's only prayer for himself from First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians 3. And the passage is, Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will have free course and be glorified. And so I looked that message up. That was 20 years ago that I preached that. I can't believe it's been 20 years and so when we, set, we preached through First and Second Thessalonians 20 years ago, we learned that the books of First and Second Thessalonians are written to the church in the last days. 
And are we nearer the last days or farther away from the last days when we did that 20 years ago? Obviously, look at what's going on in the world. Who knows? I think Christ could come back at any moment. So I want us to look at these passages and get some instruction. And the first thing that I want you to see is I I remember. I remember what God has done here and through you. Look at verse 3 again. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So your work of faith. Now, let's, let's make sure we get this right. This isn't talking about your faith that came by works. Because we know that salvation is not by works. Salvation is only by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ is our Savior. The only way to salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not by works. So what is Paul remembering about the Thessalonian believers? What is he remembering? He's remembering their work of faith. It's work that has been done, investment, sacrifice of time, all because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So as I look back over the last 25 years, I think about your work of faith. Your work of faith. I'll never forget, we, we hadn't been here long, for, well, our, when we first moved here. We got there and the news had prepared an apartment for us and it had been remodeled for us and all fresh. And we, Dan's brother, Ken, was the first person to pick up Lydia. Lydia was three weeks old and so he wanted to be sure and grab that baby. And um, just the people that were there to greet us. I, I remember playing basketball with Wade and he says I didn't beat him. He's out here in security, I think. Wait, if you can hear me, I won. And I remember um, <laughs> Sasquatch coming in the back door. <laughs> and I, I remember Wade expressing how excited he was to have a young pastor. I had this car, and he said, You've got a cool car. And it was a turning point for Wade and Stacy all those years ago. I know that sounds like something silly, but these are the things that, that I remember. I remember we moved into that house, and the upstairs, it was a very hot summer, and there was no air conditioning. And of all people, Dr. Ree came to the house, and he saw that, that where Lydia was sleeping was too warm. And Dr. Ree went and bought an air conditioner, and then it wouldn't fit in this old house window, so he went and fashioned, he, he, he went and bought lumber and built a platform to set the air conditioner on. And I remember seeing this, this great man, this educated man, doing manual labor at my house as a 33-year-old man. It, those are the things that you remember. And then we moved to this house. The, the, the men, they, they realized that a pastor needed to be able to own a home. And Bob Maxwell was a, a property inspector at that time. You all remember Bob. And he had inspected this house that had gone up for auction here on, on Edgewood Street. And it was selling for just an unbelievably low price. And so we were able to get it. But it needed work. And so Bob Maxwell and Jim Jimerson came in and rewired that whole house. And put in a, a, an electrical panel for us that had fuses or whatever. And just immediately began investing in their young preacher and his family. And what was that? That was, look at, look at the verse, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, and labor of love. And 
you know, now we're at the place where um, we can do our own remodeling and those things. And yet when we bought this house, Dan New came and put up walls for some rooms so we could house people in our basement in our new house. That's the kind of people that we have here at Grace Baptist. They just held. Denver Smith coming to the house and hanging doors. And obviously, I'll leave people out. But that's the labor that you have invested in us. But what about the ministry? What about the ministry, your labor of love? Do you see that in the verse, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love? So that that work of faith is based on your faith in Christ, your faith in his chosen vehicle of expression, the local New Testament church. When I see what's going on now, <clears throat> the new Sunday school classes that we have, and the church is growing because of the investment that you all are making in these classes. So whether it's uh, Wade and Stacy with Epic or Ty with the teens, I'm talking about the adult classes now. Children's ministry is so vitally important. But the new adult classes that we have, uh, uh, Matt teaching the young couples and, and just trying to keep Amanda from being too mean to the moms in there and just the labor that that is keeping her under control as teaching parenting. And Eric with the core class and this idea of evangelism, the desire to see our church much more effective in outreach. And Wade and Stacy teaching our, our, our singles and how important that is because I've had two goals, and I've told you this for years at Grace Baptist, is teaching you all how to take off the world's glasses and put on biblical glasses to see everything in the world through the lens of Scripture. But not only that, to see our children serving God in the next generation. When I came to Grace Baptist, Wade and Stacy were the only young couple in the church. That was it. There were no other young couples. Soon after that, Andy and Maureen moved here, and now we had two young couples. And they're not young anymore. Look at these people. And so, it, it, you know, it's funny. I was talking with Dan and Dodie, I think at the basketball game a couple of weeks ago, and um, how when we came, they were in their 40s. And just growing old together in ministry. And, and it's just a blessing. No, I'm not old yet. I mean, look at me. I'm remarkably well-preserved. But it, it just all of these years of ministering together, I just remember it. Your labor of love. And the, those of you who have come to Grace Baptist since then, it's hard for you to know the fight that went on here so that this would be a Bible-preaching church. Um, the fight that Bob Maxwell, who we've spoken of, and Dan New and Tom May and Ron Peacock and these people that invested, you know, Elza Willis, th th those are the men, right? Do I have it right? It, all the way back at the beginning. Because when, when you call a new pastor, that's when you're deciding the direction your church is going to go. You all recognize that. And it's not because of me. They had a desire to have a, a Bible preacher. They wanted someone that would preach the word. Why? Because they care about Grace Baptist Church. And they've proven that over and over and again, year after year after year. And that is a labor of love. It's a work of faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in the work 
that God has for Grace Baptist Church. But I do want you to see this labor of love, this labor of love. Look at the, look at the word. In verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. That, that labor of love, this idea of labor, think about childbirth. So here's what, what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 4.19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. It encompasses both the, the, the pain of birth and the pain of bringing a child to maturity. And all of you parents understand, you moms, that just birth was unbelievable. Now, praise God, I'm a man. Hallelujah. I can't have a baby. Hallelujah. Now, you young people, someone might tell you that men can have babies. They're liars. Men cannot have babies. And all the men said, amen. But you, here's, here's what happens. You have all of the pain of birth, and then you have the pain of the teen years. And just what it takes to get those, those young skulls full of mush to begin thinking like humans. And just all the labor it takes to do that. Then they get into their, to their single years and they're making decisions about life. They get out of high school and now you're trying to guide them because you can't spank them anymore. And you know, you try and spank a 21 year old and it just doesn't work real well. And so now you're trying to guide them and the travail, the labor. That's what this is speaking of. And so it is, it is, it encompasses evangelism and discipleship the labor of leading people to Christ, but then also the labor of seeing them grow in the Lord and grow to maturity. And I remember that's what you people are doing. That's what's happening at Grace Baptist Church for all of these years. Praise the Lord for that. It's a labor of love, not for reward, but because of love, love for Christ and love for each other. And then look at the passage again. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Patience of hope. You remember that Christ is coming back, that this isn't all there is. And it's patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just hoping for the sake of hope. Our hope is in a person who is going to return. But it's also in the sight of God and our Father. I remember. Now look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I remember what God has done in you, and I pray for you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 11. So I remember and I pray. Wherefore also we pray always for you. And what's his prayer? That God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is my prayer for you? So as Paul, as, as, as an apostle, and yet in, in a heart of a pastor, as he's writing this book, he had a prayer for these people. And this is my prayer for you from this text. I pray, first of all, in verse 11, that our God would count you worthy of his calling. Now, don't forget that this calling is not a call to salvation, right? There's a general call to salvation. This is the call to service. And why would God count us worthy of serving him? He doesn't. He gives us the grace of service. He gives us the gift. And that's what the Apostle Paul, he said, he he praised God that he had counted him worthy, placing him in the ministry. The calling is not to salvation, but to service. It's not me or anyone else who counts us worthy. So if you might say, you know, I want Pastor Jim to notice the work that I'm doing. Well, if you're doing it for me, you're doing it for the wrong person. 
You say, I want my disciple to see what I'm doing. You're doing it for the wrong person. We're doing it in the sight of God, and we are doing it for the Lord. The calling to service is, is, we need to be worthy of that. And it's not me or anyone else who counts us worthy. It is God. But look at what else he does. I want you to be worthy of that calling. I want, I want when you're done for God to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, uh, some of you listen to Theology Roundtable, and these are my friends. I appreciate what they do. But they emphasize the judgment seat of Christ a lot, and we need to think about the judgment seat of Christ. But, man, I'm so thankful that I'm not going to be judged for sin or behavior at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm so thankful for that. And yet, and yet, I am going to be judged for the work that I've done in the local church. And if I'm doing it for you, then there's no reward. If I'm doing it for Laura, there's no reward. If I'm doing it for my family, there's no reward. If I'm doing it for for preachers outside of here so they can think Jim Alt or something, uh, there's no reward there. Now, now, please, there's nothing wrong with working for the reward. He promised us the reward. That's the, that's the motive. That's one of our motives for working because he knows that we need the carrot more than we need the stick. Amen? Man, I, think about this. You know, you've got your four score and ten, your 70 years, 80, 90, 100 years maybe. And then your place in the kingdom for those thousand years is based on the work that you've done for the Lord in the local church. Man, I'm telling you, for a thousand years, you're going to wish that you had done more. You're going to wish that you had invested more. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your labor, talking about yourself. And I'm, I'm telling you, this has become very convicting to me. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And for whatever time God gives me left, I want to do it for him. I want to do it for him, whatever, however much time God has left. Wait a minute. However much time I have left to serve God, I want to do it for him. But then I want you to see this. This is so fun. Look at what it says in verse 11 again. Wherefore also we pray always, all right? So that first clause, for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling. So, and... So we pray always for you that our God, oh, I missed this. Notice what it says. Wherefore, we pray always for you that our God, listen, it's not my God. It's our God. We worship the same God. We, he, he is our God. There's only one. There's the common faith, our God, okay? But again, notice what he says. Wherefore, also, we pray always for you that our God would fulfill All the good pleasure of his goodness would fulfill. There's a couple of goods there. The good pleasure of his goodness. What is that? My prayer for you is that you would recognize what God is doing in you. So when you see good pleasure, that is synonymous with his will. God's good pleasure is his will. And God will do what he's going to do. What God wills to do will be done. Amen? And what is this prayer? That he'll fulfill the good pleasure. How does it say it? The good pleasure of his goodness. 
It's so interesting. It would be like me praying, God, will you be faithful? Is God faithful? When I pray that, all that does is it reminds me of God's faithfulness. Is God going to be more faithful because I pray that? No. When I pray, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, is that going to change when he comes? If I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is that going to change whether or not his kingdom comes or his will be done? No. It's getting us in line with God and his plan. And what is this talking about? I just want you to know that God is good. When life is hard, God is good. When you don't know why these things are going on in your life, you need to know that God is good. And the only thing God will ever do in you is good. Some of you are going through some really hard things right now. I want you to know, my prayer for you is that you recognize God's goodness in your life. We serve a good God. When people say, why would a righteous God send people to hell? Because he's good. How does that work? God's righteous judgment. It's good for God to judge. But I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. Glad's the wrong word. I'm so thankful that that good God judged my sin on the cross. Wow. Isn't God good to us? Have you thanked Him today? Are you thankful for the life He's given you? My prayer is that you'll recognize God's goodness in His life. God will do his will, and his will is to be good to you. Then look at what it says. Again, verse 11. We also, uh, wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Look at this. And the work of faith with power. The work of faith. You know what's interesting? The only other place in the Bible where it says the work of faith is 1 Thessalonians 1.3, the passage that we just read. And I remember your work of faith. So here's my prayer for you. I pray that God would fulfill the work of faith. Whose work of faith? Yours. See, I'm praying that God will help you keep working. How do you do it in his power? Do you see that? The end of verse 11, and the work of faith with power. I don't have any power. My prayer for you is that as I remember you doing the work of faith, that you will continue the work of faith, not in your own power, in his power. That's that's my prayer. I don't want you to disciple in your power. My prayer for you is is, is that you not teach a class in your own power. My prayer is for you that you don't try and witness to people. Listen, we have our 70th anniversary coming. Now, let me tell you something. Very important. It's not really the 70th anniversary. Because the 70th anniversary is during COVID. So this is the 70th, 71st anniversary, but we're celebrating it as the 70th anniversary. Okay, just to be perfectly honest. But here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite as many people as you can. I want you right now to begin preparing for May 22nd. I want it to be the, the, the greatest day in the history of Grace Baptist Church. I want us to have this place so full there's no more room for people. Why? So we can preach the gospel to them. How many of you believe there's something at Grace Baptist Church that everyone in Sydney needs? How many of you agree with that? Well, then work for it. But you're going to have to do it in the power of God. Because honestly, people in Shelby County are not always nice. Right? These Germans are mean. It's just true. And so what we have to do 
is we have to go out there in the love of Christ. And like Paul said to Jeremiah, be not dismayed by their faces. Every time I go out to check the mail, if somebody's driving by, I wave at them. And this is what I get almost every time. Who's, Who's waving at me? Labor of love. Labor of love. But this work, this work of faith with power, my prayer is that you will understand that it is in his power. And when we do that, look at what happens. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. So here's my prayer for you, that the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified in you. What does that mean? What does that mean? Look at the text. Not the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. That's not what it says. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. I want you to notice that, that it's his full name in several places in this. The Lord. Is he your Lord? His name is Jesus. His title is Lord. His name is Jesus. And the office that we're waiting for him to come back and, and fulfill is Messiah. You see how that works? It's all these components about Christ. How is his name glorified in me? How does that happen? What is his name? How is that glorified in me? When I'm called a Christian, when I tell people I'm a Christian, does that glorify his name? Or does that, holy cow, I don't want to be that. Wow. Here's my prayer for you, that his name will be glorified in you. That your behavior, young people, your behavior at school, your behavior among your friends, that that brings glory to the name of Jesus Christ because people know that you bear his name. You're a Christian. Glorify his name. But this is a really cool thing. Look at what it says. And I actually had to, I called Dalton, talked through it with him. This is, a, this is an interesting thing. Look at the way it says it. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. Look at this. And ye in him. My prayer for you is that you will be glorified in him. Here's the fun thing. That's like me praying. Listen, that's like me praying, God, will you be faithful? God, will you be good? Me praying that you'll be glorified in Christ is just like that. Because, listen to what the Bible says. Let me define glorification for you. So Dalton is preaching through the book of Romans. And I I was a little stuck on that section. But he's in the passage, he's in the section of Romans that's all about glorification. It was really fun. So he, he, he gave me some verses and we talked through it. L- listen, listen to this, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand, listen, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The hope of the glory of God. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches, listen, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is glorification? The Bible says in, in the book of Romans that we are going to be glorified. If you're saved, if you're justified, you'll be sanctified and glorified. What is that? Glorification is, very simply, the work of God in preparing us to stand in his presence. 
You understand right now that if you saw Jesus, if Jesus Christ was here, and he was here in his glory, that you could not stand. Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the Lord. People, I, I was reading a commentary or listening to a preacher who said that on the Mount of Transfiguration that Jesus Christ revealed his full glory to the disciples. If he had, they would have disappeared. Because what happens when Jesus reveals his face in Revelation chapter 20 is the heavens and the earth fled away because, and there's found no place for them. Why? Because Jesus revealed his glory. No sin can stand in his presence. In me that is in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. I can't stand in his presence right now. I can't. What is glorification? God preparing me to stand in his presence. Do you know what we ought to do? We ought to live now to bring glory to his name. Why? Because he's going to make us able to stand and see him and worship him. Wow. Wow. My prayer for you, my prayer for you is that you be glorified in him. I pray also, look at verse 12 again, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm challenging you to remember his goodness. I'm challenging you to to be worthy of his calling. I'm challenging you to trust in his goodness. I'm challenging you to do the work of faith in his power. I'm challenging you to bring glory to his name by your behavior. But according to the passage, here's my prayer for you, that you'll only do it through his grace. Because here's the deal. Quote Hillary Clinton, I'm not always tired, or whatever it was she did. Um, yeah, I'm a little tired today. Didn't sleep good. Up too late studying. Just, so I'm a little tired. I'm not tired of the ministry. This is the busiest time of my life. So 25 years in, this is the this is the busiest time of my ministry. I'm not done. Amen? Unless God takes me home. I'm not done. But when the, when the weariness comes, this labor of love, labor's hard. You're, you're tired. A lady delivers a baby and she's exhausted. She's wiped out. The, this labor of love, this work of faith, the, you will be weary in well-doing. Unless you do it in the grace of God. Unless you do it in his power. My prayer for you is that you'll just recognize the grace of God. See, it's wonderful when I talk about the judgment seat of Christ. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, everything you have ever done will be put up on a big screen and everyone will see it. It's just not true. Is my sin cast as far as the east is from the west, or is it cast onto a screen that's holding it on a hard drive until the judgment seat of Christ? Right? And yet, when you are glorified, listen, (laughs) when you're glorified and you're able to stand in his presence, and without sin you're you're able to recognize who he is, you're going to wish you had done more. I'm going to wish that I had done more. 
The problem is that cult that we've talked about, that cult of trying harder, you've got to rest in Christ. You've got to do it in his grace. And see how it says it? Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God is the judge. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. And he sent the Spirit of Christ in you to do his work. My prayer for you is that you'll do it in his power. That you'll remember that it's all of grace. That it's not of debt, but that it's of grace. Amen? Let's, let's serve God because we love him. Let's serve God out of a heart of love and of grace in his power. So I remember, I pray, and I commit. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on thee. Now look, what, what, is his, what is he committing him to do? That thou mightest buy them, or that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck. Look, here's my, here's my prayer for you. I'm giving you something to do. I commit a charge to you that you war a good warfare, that you earnestly contend for the faith. It is going to be. It is going to begin to feel much and more, much more like a battle than it ever has. War a good warfare, and not only that you war a good warfare, but look at Second Timothy chapter two. And verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, look at, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So here it is. Man, I remember. I remember your work of faith and your labor of love. 25 years working together, serving together here. It's unbelievable. And I pray. I pray that you will understand God's goodness. I pray that God will count you worthy of what he's called you to do, that you'll get the well done. I pray that you'll understand what he's doing in you. And I commit to you, war a good warfare. Fight. Fight. How do you fight graciously? How do you do that? Only through the power of God. I want us to earnestly contend for the faith, but I don't want us to be the church that just hates people. How can you earnestly contend for the faith? How can you win people that you hate? How can you do that? That's why the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. I commit to you to war a good warfare. Let's be a militant church but militant in the grace of Christ. And then, here's the way that we war. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same. Commit thou to faithful men. Folks, we have to do this through discipleship. We have to do it through discipleship. 
We have a retirement plan for me. I'm going to retire. Today, I'm announcing my retirement. In at least 10 years from now. (laughs) We're trying to do a financial plan as part of the budget and all that to prepare for retirement. I don't know if God's going to give me another 10 years. I have no idea. I don't know if will any of us will be here another 10 years. I've told Patrick, if the rapture takes place, he can have my library. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> if we ever get away from discipleship, we are no longer a biblical church. Did you hear what I just said? If we ever get away from discipleship, from making disciples, we're no longer a biblical church. So how are we going to war a good warfare? By leading people to Christ, the first step of discipleship is evangelism. Leading people to Christ. you got to fight for that. It's labor. It's travail. And then you've got to mature them. You've got to grow them in the faith. That's labor. That's labor. It's work. And that work of faith has to be done through the power of God, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So after 25 years, here's my message to you. I remember, and I pray for you, and I commit I commit a job, war good warfare, and then commit it to somebody else. Amen? Most important thing is that you're born again. I know sometimes you might think, Pastor, are you just tagging this on to the end of your sermon? No. I hope we never preach a sermon here on a Sunday morning where we don't invite people to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you died today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? That's, That's the message. One time, I didn't give an invitation. Jeff Blackford. They're up at Toledo or north of Michigan, whatever. And uh, Brandon is baptizing Faith today. His daughter Faith is following the Lord and believers' baptism. So Jeff and Sue are up there today. But Jeff came up to me and said, just almost in tears, he said, Pastor, you didn't invite people to get saved today. There's never been a day since then (laughs) that I haven't done it. Are you saved you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Are you trusting in your good works? Are, are you trusting in your baptism? Are you trusting in your church membership? All of that, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What you get for that work is death. The wages are what you get for your work. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way you can be born again is by receiving Jesus Christ as a gift, that eternal life is a gift. Acknowledge him as your Lord. Confess your sin. Repent. And ask him to save you, and he will. Amen? Let's all stand together. Lord, you're good. Thank you so much for who you are and what you've done.